You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John and um, we have another guest special, but before we introduce the guest, um, I'm joined with um, regular Scott. How are you doing, Scott? Scott J. I'm good, John. Yeah, it just feels weird not being on a Monday night doing a podcast on a different night so uh, and a really good guest, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, this is hardcore for you this week because you're doing two shifts after going from um, the other John and then on to myself. A I'll be nice off. about the other John because he's apparently been crying about <laughs> me. <so. laughs> yeah, we wanted to come up with you that game and that didn't go too well on Monday. So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> no, it's two two shifts this week from after a couple of weeks without doing anything, so it's good to be back. Yeah, well, um, the the reason why, obviously, I wanted you to be part of this because you love your retro stuff, you love your retro kits, and um, what better way to talk about these sorts of things and bring on someone who does a podcast about football kits? So, Football Kit Memories podcast host, Craig. Um, Craig, thank you for coming on. How are you? Very well, thanks, Chaps. Thanks so much for inviting me on. I know, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. We like to have a nice variety of guests um, with um, different things to talk about. So, um, first thing I've got to ask is, what was the idea behind um, Football Memories Podcast? I thought Football Kits Memories Podcast, I say. Um, well, I, I guess like the, the long story, I'll keep it brief, but I was on, um, I work in the cinema industry, so I was on furlough for like, it ended up being more than a year actually, so I had a lot of time on my hands. And I thought I had quite a big kind of football shirt collection, so I started posting them on uh, Instagram, set up an account and stuff. And I quickly realised that there has actually a community out there that are like proper big collectors with a lot of kind of money spent, all that kind of thing. Started talking to them and realising that they've all actually got quite interesting stories to tell. So what I started doing was just kind of having like quite free form interviews with them all for the first, I guess, like six months. Um, and then I kind of realised, well, I'm having the same conversation a lot of the time. So maybe I need to broaden this out. So what I do now over the last kind of year, really, over 2021, is um, speak to people that have an association with football. They might be an ex-pro, broadcasters, radio, TV presenters, you know, other podcasters, journalists, etc. Speak to them a bit about their career. And then in the second half of the podcast, um, a bit like, I guess, like Desert Island Disc, they just have to choose their three favourite shirts and tell me um, what those shirts mean to them. It's that simple. It's, it's a good concept because we've also seen on uh, on BT Sports sometimes, you know, when they've brought out like say, Stephen Gerrard and Jermaine Defoe and David Seaman, you know, yeah. just three names out of my head that say, you know, the shirts I wore and you see the kits that they've worn in the past in particular games and then what it all means to me. Did that have, um, you know, so I think doing it as a podcast is a very um, interesting concept and um, very, yeah. very interesting. I think like with podcasts and audio, you're getting much more of a kind of in-depth conversation, aren't you? So those videos kind of last 10 minutes. And I love watching them. Andy Robson's on recently, wasn't he? He's absolutely brilliant. It's so cool to see all the shirts there as well. It must be really cool for the player to see them all. But I think, yeah, just having that kind of in-depth conversation. And I guess it's quite freeform. Again, people can just talk about, you know, it's not about shirt collecting anymore. It's not about even the particular shirt. We don't really describe it that much. It's all about what it means to them. And I think that's what's important. Because especially over the last couple of years with COVID and lockdowns and stuff, you have seen quite a lot of people, myself included, that have come into the retro side of things. Yeah. Go back to to your youth, you know, where you were probably uh, at your happiest. You know, so these days of stress, I think we've all kind of 
used that as a crutch. You know, I got a couple of strips during that uh, that time frame. I had all the strips that you could want when I was a kid, and I wish I'd kept them now just to even sell them on. You know, there's so much money involved in it, but, you know, I had so many good strips. Yeah. Um, and it was only quite recently as well that I got rid of them. I stopped playing football and I handed some over to my brother and did other things and stuff. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it drew me to your podcast because, again, it's that kind of that feeling of somebody else talking about something else that you love. You know, yeah. football in general, you know, I, the Pat and Evan one sticks out because I've always found Pat to be very interesting. So to find out about his career and, you know, your second episode and it was about Scotland stuff and things was always yeah. very interesting. And then to hear him passionately talk about football strips, something that he probably had in his attic for about 20, 30 years, but then started to, to actually reminisce about them or or not. You know, how he, yeah. you know, he couldn't remember uh, the French strip. You know, that's a really good story. So people should listen out um, for that particular story in that podcast because I thought, I thought that was fascinating the way you kind of described that whole scenario. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that was, for me anyway, getting into to your stuff was, again, because of the COVID thing and because everything retro is coming back in. Uh, so, you know, it's a kind of upside to the, to the, the downer, um, which might be good for you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Pat Nevin was nuts. I mean, to be sitting there on a Zoom call with Pat Nevin it was just a crazy feeling for me. Like when I put the Zoom, when I put the phone down, the Zoom down, phoned my dad straight away like a little boy. You know, dad, I spoke to Pat Nevin. It's absolutely incredible, right? <laughs> but he was a brilliant guest, like you say. Like he'd gone out and got those kits in his attic, and he said he hadn't seen some of them for twenty years. So he sat there on the desk with a box full of kits and just picking them all out and just showing them to me on the screen. It, it, it was nuts. Um, so yeah, definitely that's one of my favourite ones for sure. And it was totally different with you than what people would hear in a broadcast yeah. environment for Pat Nevin in terms of, you know, I, I, I've always thought of Pat Nevin being slightly in the upper class intelligent side of football, and he is obviously intelligent. But when he's talking to you, he's more relaxed. He's oh, that, that's mental. And then it takes you right back into the kind of West of Scotland vibe yeah. that you forget of Pat Nevin, you know, you don't automatically associate with. And it kind of takes you back to his probably youth more than anything else, the way he's talking, because he's so relaxed with you. Yeah, mate, that was good. I mean, he was very careful not to make it too cerebral on my podcast. Do you know what I mean? He's got to know his audience, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Pat was good when I spoke to him for, um, you know, the bit that I'm coming up, but we're not talking about that. We're obviously talking about yourself. Uh, in, in your eyes, what makes a football kit so special? Um, do you know what? I think it's the stuff we've covered. So I think like there is a lot of stuff out there around design that, that is really exciting. And I think it, it's really cool how brands, you know, the big brands like Adidas and like things interpret the history of clubs into like modern design, which I do quite enjoy. But I think for me, it's it's about the stuff we've covered. It's that kind of, I guess it's like a tangible kind of thing to your childhood, isn't it? And like when you pick up one of those shirts, if you spent a bit of money on, you know, a hundred quid on a shirt that you wore as an eight year old in the nineties or something, and you can pick it up and see it and feel it. Remember how it looked. Also, like remember how it smelt and stuff like that. I just think it's that connection to your past and your childhood that makes it really special for me, really. Yeah, definitely. Do you remember your first kid, um, kid as a child? Yeah, I, I had a lot of Arsenal ones growing up. So I had the old, um, it's called the Bruised Banana, which is one of the most like sought after shirts mm. for collectors and things, that 93 away shirt. I still got it. I still got a box for all my shirts. So a little tiny, you know, seven when that come out. So I still have it and it's all intact, all the badge, the JVC, all that kind of yes. stuff. So it's just really nice to have them, you know. It's funny how important 
I think, especially back in the day, sponsors were and how much better they seem to be as well. You know, you, yeah. you know, I think of Juventus, I think of the Sony ones, you know, JVC, Arsenal, Sharp, uh, Manchester United, for Scotland, McEwen's Lager, uh, yeah, yeah. Peoples, you know, with the, the Celtic one, AFAB with uh, Aberdeen. Um, so it's funny how you, you know sponsors even then you know you're looking at the you know when you're buying these old strips you know I've got the I've got the PSV I'm holding this up for the to the guys obviously you can't hear it audio but it's one of my favourite ones was the yeah. the Ronaldo PSV one yeah. and Phillips mm-hmm. with PSV was just always the one you would associate with PSV you know especially obviously in the 90s and it's only yeah. recently that it's not been Phillips and it kind of takes you by surprise yeah. There's big controversy that one, wasn't it? So I think Phillips founded the club as part of yeah. the factory or something. Mm-hmm. So I think there's big controversy because they, it was effectively selling out for a bigger sponsor. They took the Phillips away, which seems a shame because that's part of the iconic nature of the shirt, isn't it? To have Phillips on it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exa- exactly. And, and going the other way, you know, um, you associate Barcelona with no sponsor. You know, yeah. they're one of the very few teams um, that did it every year. And then they did the UNICEF thing, which I think was good. But now it's what? Qatar Airways and stuff it just doesn't look or, or racket and whatever it is these days yeah. it just doesn't look right <laughs> it doesn't well next year they're going to be Spotify allegedly and it's going to be like this huge deal they're going to rename the Camp Nou and stuff like that it just feels a bit grabby doesn't it that's not Barcelona that's no. not what they're about and it's a shame that they used actually used UNICEF although it obviously gives UNICEF lots of um, kind of free publicity but that was just a kind of gap to kind of get people used to having a name on the strip yeah. for that later you know Incarnations with Qatar and everything else. Yeah, it's also amazing that Scott. You also mentioned that um, PSV top has been the Ronaldo top. It's amazing when you look at a top and you think immediately of a particular game. Like, prime example: the white Scotland one with the um, blue, light blue saltar. James McFadden. James McFadden. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And um, you know, even even things like um, the it was a Deodor top on the. Um, uh, better votes that we beat Holland in, you know, that kind of, it's just amazing yeah, how you just yeah. associate that. Yeah. It's like the old AC Milan, it was my first foreign strip. My uncle was in uh, Milan and he brought two back, and it was the, the, the kind of Kappa ones. And it was the, I always remember the three Dutch players, you know, Van Basten, Rijkaard, and uh, Hulot, you know, that's yeah. who you associate yeah. with. And they had a, a, a full array of superstars in the team, but it was just those three players that obviously took my imagination. And anytime I see that strip, you just go back to that, that those three players, really. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing to see them back in, like, you know, like top of City as always, but it feels like you need a strong Milan. Do you know what I mean? I, I think that probably shows our age, doesn't it? Unfortunately. Yeah. It probably brings us um, on to one of the, um, the questions I had um, covered in. But um, wait, what do you think was the best era um, for Kits Craig in your honest opinion? I know it reminds us, but that's you, probably nostalgic. <laughs> do you know what? Like a lot of people say, a lot of people collect 90 shirts. And what's interesting is, is that it's not because it reminds them of their own passport, because they might be like younger, young guys that are collecting 90s. A lot of people say that that's when design probably took off and things like that. For me, I'm going to go a bit rogue here. I think when you look back at, and forgive me for saying the word, but 1966 World Cup final and the 1970 World Cup final, you look at those like videos where you're getting like the first colour World Cups and you're seeing these like beautiful kind of plain bright shirts it just feels like there's no kind of brand logos on them you've got the big crests for me I just think whenever you see footage from that era in colour it's just really really striking because that's the that's the kind of basic colours that you associate with those teams you know the colour schemes the patterns all that kind of stuff Brazilian yellow 
you know, England in that red shirt, Italy in blue kind of thing, Scotland in the dark blue with the long sleeves. For me, that I'd say like the 60s, it's a beautiful kind of simplicity there for me. And that might be a bit rogue, I suppose. Well, I don't think so. I think with the, I think the, the good thing about those strips that I, I got the kind of, you know, the up-to-date Scotland version, you know, of that, that top you were talking yeah. about, the long sleeves and stuff. And I think it's because it's a strip you could wear out do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like the, the ones in the 90s, although very good, and that's probably my favourite era, I think those ones you still wouldn't you still wouldn't wear out because it's a kind of material that's maybe not that great and things like that. You know, they, they look good to, to hang up in your wall or to, to you know, you're, you're maybe not, um, although I'm sure quite a few hipsters probably would these days. Yeah. Um, I'll probably be on that. But those kind of cotton ones, the kind of really retro ones, you could actually put on a, a nice pair of jeans with and then just go out and go yeah. to a, a Scotland game, no problem. Um, so I, I think I think in terms of fashion, that they're probably actually better off and will last longer in terms of going out and, you know, putting out, putting in with a pair of jeans and stuff rather than the, the kind of plasticky almost ones. Although the 90s, I think, in terms of football kit manufacturers, I think they all went right. Okay, do what you want to, to the, the, the designers. Nobody yeah. really copied it. There was more kind of strips for different teams, hmm. um, and for you know, I mean, I remember vividly World Cup '98 having so many strips. The one I didn't have was Chile that I really wanted, but they didn't sell uh, yeah, in Scotland one. anyway. But I had, the, I had the yeah the Reebok one. I had the Jamaica strip, the Japan strip. France, Brazil, what do you mean? I was... Uh, Lucky boy growing up, you were. Oh, I, well, my birthday was in May, so I think that helped because the World Cup was obviously in June, so I think... Right. Uh, so so was mine, I never got all those shirts. Oh, well, I, I was at uh, parents that liked me and Craig, I don't know, your parents may not have liked you as much, but, uh, <laughs> but no, I, but that, it's that kind of, you know, flamboyance, I think, in the 90s that then Adidas and Nike seemed to get a wee bit sloppy on and then just decided right okay we're going to just do the same kind of thing for everybody after that yeah there's definitely like a template vibe these days isn't there and it does feel like mm-hmm. a very much a branding exercise it feels like every kind of you know like you look at every like major european tournament or world cup and stuff it feels like i mean they're the two big ones aren't they even puma bought out a lot of bad template ones i would argue the last kind of euros as well it feels like this is our team and they're wearing our kit and it, you know there's not enough variety for me for sure I do wonder if that's kind of down to manufacturing and margins they make on this stuff as well. You have to wonder, don't you? Yeah, you would you would think so. I mean, I think there was a little bit of that going on in the the nineties as well. Certainly um, the ninety two era. You know, I'm obviously covering ninety two quite a lot, but yeah, yeah. think of like the Sweden kit and Liverpool had something similar, except it was red and white instead of the yellow and blue. It was, you know, it's, yeah. there's always been templates, but I think, um, yeah, a lot. A lot of clubs and national teams are missing that um, uniqueness, um, which is also taking them back to, um, w- which is why, in some cases, they're bringing out re- remakes of like nineteen ninety, yeah. etc. Yeah, exactly. I think like Adidas did Scotland a good turn recently with the tartan stuff that they were doing. I think that's quite nice and unique to us that they should try and always incorporate that stuff in. You know, I think they had a couple of home shirts with tartan on, didn't we? Um, mm-hmm. so I always think like if a brand you know you're more inclined to buy it if the brand is going to make it a bit special and it doesn't feel like it's a template you know it doesn't feel like it's something that you know Belgium might wear or the Ukraine might wear or something like that just in a different colour 
Um, and do, um, we've asked a few questions uh, for, from Twitter and in, in our group chat. So the first one we asked is from Donald, just because you mentioned the 60s, 70s there. And he mm. simply asked, why is the St. Etienne 1976 shirt the greatest of all time? <laughs> God, I've got a... Who, I mean, it was, it's green, obviously. I'm guessing it's Lecoq Sportif. Has it got that kind of red and blue cuffs on it as well? The trickle of cuffs. Let me see. I'll need to Google I'm that. Have I should have done this it. before I came on. Yeah. <laughs> should have yeah. prepped me on this. 1976. Right. Yeah. 76. We're all Googling. Um, right <laughs> um, oh, is it? Yeah. I just think it's in 18 and I think uh, um, Scotland losing C0 Morocco, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I wasn't yeah. far off there, was I, my description? Yeah, that's nice. That is nice. It's a shame about the big sponsor across the middle, though, isn't it? Yeah, Man U France. That must have been one of the very first um, mm. shirts that would have been had a sponsor. Yeah, um, very nice. Very nice. Cost you buy that for four hundred pound at Vintage Football. No, no, yeah. thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. At least Donald knows where to get it from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that let's say that's individual opinion, but retro shirts, um, you know, is something that um, is been a phenomenon recently certainly, certainly since um, over the lockdown periods I mean I'm obviously wearing one just now um, as, we, as we speak and there just seems to be so many different people and companies that are just launching remakes of shirts for me what in your opinion Craig what do you think is making them so special is it just simple because you know there's a target audience of like people at our age who like to hark back to um, you know when we were growing up I mean, when you say retro, we're we talking about kind of brands making them to the exact specifications kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much. Like yeah. The top I'm wearing just now is the Scotland United 2, which I didn't have when I was growing up, but I decided yeah. to get it now. Um, but, you know, there's the, the, the place I get it from, um, I got I got it from, The he, he takes an order. So if you just um, put in the shirt, listen, can you think you can get something like this? And say, for yeah. example, like... Scott wanted the PSV shirt from 1995 yeah, yeah. and he would give it this um, note to that spec. It's that t- type of idea. I think the thing is that people are, because it's illegal, isn't it? We should say that, that it is illegal to do that because you're using trademarks and things, obviously, the people that produce them. But when you see how much money, if you if you want that St. Etienne shirt and it's £400, who's got £400 to spend on a football shirt? Do you know what I mean? I think all power to these people that are making them. I thought it was really good during the Euros, those Scotland, I think they're called Scotland Leisure Polos from 91, 93 or something. Those ones with like the awful kind of pattern, the purple one and the pink one. Everybody seemed to have it, didn't they? And I ordered one and um, the eBay site got shut down for copyright infringement or whatever, so I never got my shirt, got my money oh. back. But... Um, yeah, I mean, look, why not? Why not? It's people, and I think as well, if you can build a reputation, there's a couple of guys that I follow on Instagram that seem to produce the goods a lot. One guy does some really good Scottish football stuff, makes really nice, like, track suits, vintage kind of 70s, you know, like, Hibs, Partick Thistle kind of thing. You might know the guy. Um, yeah, I mean, fair play to him, I say. But even, like, Score Draw, you know, who get the authority from, like, the SFA and Aberdeen yeah. and Celtic, etc. Produce some real, really good stuff, and you know, and you're seeing lots of phone cases coming out, and um, yeah, yeah. you know, mugs, you know, from official sources that are selling these products, and they're fair cash, in. Yeah, but then with those score draw ones, I always just think it's a shame that you've not got the umbra or the Adidas or whatever it is on the shirt. It doesn't feel like doesn't feel right to me. Do you know what I mean? But maybe that's just because I'm pedantic kind of guy. No, I, I agree. Yeah, it's that one thing that's missing, and then you know that it's not. Mm. And then I think everybody else knows it as well. So it's uh, it's the one thing that always kind of 
throws me back, unfortunately. Yeah, you'll have to send me your guy, John. I'll have to have a look at those. I like that <laughs> Yeah, I'll not do it in You're this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'll not do it in podcast. Right. Um, but uh, one um, person who you interviewed um, was Gordon Shiach um, of Tartan yep. Scaff. Great guy, Gordon. Um, good lad. We were ta- what were you saying, sorry? He's a good lad. He's a very good lad. I'm very yeah. passionate about the, the national team. Um, and we've also talked about Adidas, etc. And he says, given Scotland's Adidas deals coming to an end this year, which brand would you like to see us go with or would you like an Adidas renewal? That's in, do you know what? I didn't know that. That's interesting. Gordon knows his Scotland, doesn't he? Um, I Look, if we're talking like, what would you love to happen? I'd love Kappa. I just think Kappa's amazing. Kappa's I'm not amazing a fan. Shirt. You can't you can't have Kappa because Kappa's always skin tight. And if you think of the West of Scotland, you cannot have <laughs> Kappa. That's that's an old goal for Scotland. Uh okay. We are not Italian. If we were if we had the bodies of the the Roman gladiators, it'd be different, but uh, I can't go with Kappa. Fair enough. I mean look, that, that would be my dream. I like Kappa. Um do you know what? Another I think an underrated manufacturer is Macron. I think they make some amazing shirts. They do a lot of stuff in the um, the SPL as well, don't they? They've got the SPFL, sorry. They've got a lot of... They seem to have a bit of an imprint in Scotland. They're not going to do the rugby team too, don't they? Um, and every Macron shirt I've ever bought, I've got loads of them actually. Uh, and they're just good quality. They're a good fit. They are a bit tight. They're not kappa tight. They last a long time as well. Wash well. I'd go for them, I reckon. That's an interesting choice, Kappa. Um, personally, not for me. As Scott says we don't have the bodies for it. Um, okay. I've just always thought they're, they're too they're too skin tight, and I don't think Kappa XXL would fit and even look good in me. So <laughs> <laughs> I should be an XL. So it tells you about the weight I'm at just now. <laughs> <laughs> they do fan versions, don't they? So they do they do player fit ones, which are like literally skin tight. But they don't wash so well. I've had a couple go wrong in the wash. But they do like fan ones, which are kind of baggier as well, and they're cheaper mm-hmm. too. So there is that oh, to think really? about it. But I get what you're saying. Fair enough. Yeah. What about so, you but- guys? Me, I, I, see, I've liked some of the Adidas stuff. Um, the tartan one that um, you mentioned that we had in uh, the 2018 World Cup qualifying campaign, that would have been so much better had they not had the white sleeves. I said that been tartan yeah. all the way with, um, yeah. you know, the three white Adidas um, stripes. Absolutely. I think that would have been perfect, that kit. But they ruined it with the sleeves, and that's why I didn't end up buying it. But other than that one, um, I think Adidas have been mainly decent and I wouldn't yeah I would be happy for them to go with that again yeah I mean look it's good to have a big brand isn't it I suppose that's kind of good for the profile of the team and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah what about you Scott I think I don't think Adidas have done a bad job so I'd probably prefer to stick with Adidas you know it's always a kind of what you're going to get um the Diodora ones didn't bother me too much you know obviously that white one with the with the blue saltire mm-hmm. was one of my favorites um then, so I don't I mean it's like there's been some holes, so I'm, I'm, I'm probably <laughs> sticking with Adidas because I can't think of Adidas being yeah. that bad with any of them. So yeah, we well, mentioned the Adora ones. I think I think they were terrible for us. I think they did some really bad shirts. So I've got there was there was a couple of had messes to be fair. Yeah, there was some bad ones. I, I was just remembering the yellow one that I didn't like. Yeah. Uh, actually, no, I've got that one with the kind of high collar. Yeah. I don't like that one. No, I don't like that yeah. one. San Siro one, that one. Um, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the fit is weird on them as well. They're all they wash badly as well. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Yeah, they were slightly better than Fila for me. I wasn't a big fan of the Fila product. I must say, I thought 
the first one was um, very plain. The pin yeah. straight ones, I wasn't too keen on. Um, so, so, um it's twenty years since bet. Um, yesterday, um, as we record, yeah. well, it was twenty years since bet. What's up, boys? You think of that era, but then I still believe that this. Um, it wasn't a great year of the better votes era, but he wasn't the worst Scotland manager for me because he inherited um, a squad that needed rebuilding, which is no fault of Craig Brown because, um, you know, he felt he had to stick by um, older players because there wasn't a lot coming through. Votes had to rebuild all that and maybe it wasn't um, the right way of doing it. But when you consider that to George Burley inheriting a decent squad and then ripping it apart, he's worse for me and Levine. Yeah, what 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 should have happened is better folks should have built a foundation for everybody else to then build from, because that's what he did. They bleeded in all these good players, good young players. You know your Fletchers and stuff. The the core there that then Burley and Levine should have then been able to go and build upon and and get us back to tournaments. But they fluffed their lines because mm-hmm. they ruined it all. Went back to whatever they wanted to do and. It's because what you what Smith you usually left a good squad there. Yeah, so what you usually get is if you have a, a manager there for a long time and with a sustained period of success, and you're thinking Craig Brown, we didn't really know it at the time, but that's what he actually did for us. You're then going to have to start again. So, but, so the manager that has to start again. Again, you look at Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United Moyes. Manager has to start again is usually not going to work out. Yeah, but it's it's whole changes that you're going to maybe find in four or five years' time that should be then ready for somebody else, and it's up to that person to then take on the baton and move, and that didn't happen in Scotland, unfortunately. Yeah, we're um, talking about um, you know some of the least favourite kits and stuff. So Craig, um, cards on the table. We're asking um, best and the least favourite. So in terms of Scotland kits, what's your least favourite home and away shirts? Oh, one of them Deodora. I think that first Deodora one was so bad, wasn't it? It was so like baggy as well. It had like no design on it, and that weird like square or like rectangle badge that we had for a little while as well that they seemed to develop. Yeah, for that's me. right. I forgot about yeah. that badge. Mm-hmm. Not for me. Yeah, and, and then we went. And the away. I mean, I mean, you got to look at that claret one, the Georgia game. We played in it once, didn't we? And, you know, there was big fanfare about launching that, I seem to remember. And then, obviously, we had the result in Georgia. <laughs> and in those days as well, I was going to quite a lot of the games and just so caught up in it. And then to just, you know, it's so stupid to launch a kit, play in it and have a result like that, isn't it? And that's one of those kits that will always be associated with that result, I think. So stick that one in the bin as well, I reckon. I always remember the, you know, the pink one with the pinstripes back in the 90s. Oh yeah, I like that. One. Oh, the yeah, I, 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 I mean the now. orange one. I, yeah, see, I think that's orange an orange one. But um, Stephen Wright but... calls it a salmon pink. He might be right. Yeah. It's uh, sometimes with colours, I, I, I'm not. You know, I see certain colours, and obviously everybody else is different. But that one, mm-hmm. I didn't like at the time. I was a kid. I thought, no, that's not for me. But now I've seen it again. I had to, funnily enough, seen it in a kind of second-hand football strip shop in Florence of all places. Okay. I, I looked at it and I thought, oh, that's, yeah, that's quite nice. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, if it wasn't like 500 euros or whatever they were trying to sell for, <laughs> I might have got it. But um, it, it's funny how things change um, over yeah. time because I remember at the time absolutely hating it and I never, it was one of the first Scotland strips when I was buying strips I never got. Oh, yeah, wow. Umbro went through a period of putting um, the club badge in like a shield. 
At that point, I remember the you know the purple trim, the orange button, and this big Scotland badge. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I think Umbro did a salmon pink one as well, didn't they? Yeah, they did yeah. that for '99 when Don Hutchison scored against yeah. Germany. Yeah. Right, Again, shirts by Don Hutchison. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a nice one. I'm, I'm a big fan of pink shirts for Scotland. I think like that's part of our heritage as well. You know, those rosemary colours. I'd really love it. Adidas to do something with that for an away shirt. It'd be great. I like the one that they did for the Women's World Cup in 2019. Yes. Um, yeah. That was the best of them all by a long shot. I wasn't too keen on the other ones. Um, I think the one in 2017 that they beat Slovakia in was too bright. Um, yeah. That was that's again. That's just down to um, personal choice. What about your your favourite two? Your favourite home and away shirts for Scotland? Yeah, this is tough, isn't it? Uh, do you know what? I, I I do really like the Tartan one from Euro '96. I think like mm. from a design perspective, it's horrendous. It's so '90s, isn't it? And you know, putting a badge and that big shield and all that. And like, I think there were purple accents on that shirt as well. I don't know where that came from, but again like it's iconic and it's Scotland isn't it it's tartan on it and it's Euro 96 as kind of heartbreaking as that was as a child growing up in England as well going into school the next day but that one for me would be the top one I think um, and in terms of an away shirt again like it's it's tough like I'm a big fan of that pinstripes one um, there was one there was one in the 90s that I wanted so much as a kid and one of those things where you wanted it so much and you never got it. Um, and it was kind of white with like purple lightning on it. Do you remember that one? Purple yeah. red. Yeah. 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 Once again, San Marino. <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah. That one. That one for me. I just think it's just cool, isn't it? It's so 90s, I think. The, the Euro 96 one, I had that uh, back in the day because um, obviously I was a kid that had everything as Craig pointed out yeah. but I saw it again um, in September I was in Manchester the classic football strip shop oh, yeah. uh, and I, if I wasn't going to London for the next couple of days after our trip to Manchester I would have bought it it was £195 or something my wife's telling me just get it just get it and it'd be coist but I absolutely idol number nine McCoist at the back yeah. And I was like, no, it's fine. When I get back, I'll check online and I'll order it online or whatever. And I, I didn't, and I kind of regret it now. But I just knew I couldn't sacrifice something in the break. You know, the, the wife's uh, was a nurse in the ICU and stuff like that. So, you know, it's the first time to get away during the COVID times. Uh, so I couldn't, I couldn't sacrifice that big of uh, part of our budget. But um, I, was, I was literally that close just to... To actually get it, so that that's my favourite one. Although followed by the one that John's spoken just now, John wants to tell everybody. <laughs> I only want to tell people, but there's plenty of time for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you just need to follow me on Twitter, and you see plenty of it. So, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, no apologies. <laughs> that was one of my first Scotland trips, if not my first. Uh, the Euro '92 one. I've got a picture of me as a kid from my birthday. It was a, a football-themed birthday. We went to a place in school bride to play football and that Scotland strip was 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 the one that I was wearing so that was definitely one of my favourites as well I've, I've just seen somebody reissue a tracksuit top of that so I don't think it's ever like a real thing but you might follow them on Instagram again it might be the same chat that we've, we've been mentioning we've been plugging this stuff but it's a white tracksuit top with that kind of lightning motif the umbro and the Scotland badge on it as well so it looks good. I might have to pick one up, to be honest. That's something else that was really popular back in the, the 90s. Um, 
for tracksuits. Yeah, you know, yeah. you could identify a club tracksuit in there. Uh, you know, you, um, the you very early nineties was the shell suits. <laughs> yes, yeah. Scotland had a, an all blue one, and then one with a white one, and you know, for Ital- <laughs> Italia ninety. I had the white one. Mm-hmm. I had the blue one. So, <laughs> Very nice. Yes, that was um. They were halcyon days, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, you also mentioned that you're living in England, um, supporting Scotland. What's that like? Uh, not much fun, lads. To be honest with you, it's, it's tough, especially with my accent as well. You get a lot of one of the things that always bothers me the most is oh, you're not even Scottish, are you? What just pull them for that? That really does bother me. It's one of those things that uh, will always get me. I'll always be fish hooked on that one and get a, a big response. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, it wasn't great in school, kind of thing. Um, and I think I did it probably. So, like my my dad's parents are both from Greenock, and my mothers are both from Ireland. So. For sport, I feel very passionate about both, but uh, for sport, it was always Scotland. And I think probably growing up, you want to be like your dad, don't you? So he was a big Scotland fan. You know, he's uh, born down here as well, same accent as me and stuff. Uh, used to go as a kid and, you know, you it just kind of followed him really. And it just becomes one of those things that it means so much to you that despite the teasing in school, that kind of thing, you know, you just don't care because it, it, you, you put up with it because it makes sense. And I actually think that, you know, as an adult, I think, especially when we had England, you know, I, I was quite concerned that England game. If we'd have got properly done over by them at Wembley, I'd have been embarrassed, you know. I mean, you know, I would have enjoyed getting the piss taken out of me, to be honest with you, at work. But people were, like, really magnanimous and really kind of, like, you played really well, you know, all this kind of thing, much more than I'd have been if the result was the other way around, do you know what I mean? So, uh, probably in school it was tough. And, you know, as an adult, I mean... Let's be honest; they don't care about us as much as we care about them, do they? That and that's a problem for us, you know. That's that's we guy mentality, isn't it? Unfortunately, and we need to get over that. I think if we're going to progress as a footballing nation. Probably. I don't think though the last twelve months that's actually kind of shifted a wee bit. If you look at the the football, then you look at the darts and the rugby; they seem to care a wee bit about it more than they they've kind of have in the past. Um, Maybe it's almost as if they've realised they're not very good at these things and that they're more on our level than they ever thought they were before? Maybe. Maybe that was a joke. <laughs> that was a joke. I don't, think they, they, I don't think they think that, but I think they probably are in a lot of instances now that it's, you know, whether or not we're getting a wee bit better at things or they're getting a wee bit worse. Um, but it does seem as though, you know, the, the, this, the batters wherever we go, <laughs> obviously it doesn't actually happen. Uh, I would be concerned about the football team, though. I, I think they're, I think they're well within a shot of winning a tournament. I mean, they got to the final at the Euros, didn't they? But I mean, you look at the strength and depth. You look at the young players. You know, we're getting better, but they're on a different stratosphere. I think they look really good. I think I'd be. Uh, I think if they got a good enough defence, solid enough during the Euros, to be fair. Yeah, that's just that's two just goals they conceded. There's always a kind of Harry Maguire, there's the Thibbet, and the kind of, if they got still that kind of mentality, the kind of complex when it comes to the really big games. Um, It might might go against them that it's a guitar uh, as well in the next year's, or this year's, sorry, I forgot it's in the the winter time. Um, But it's a funny one because I, I kind of, the opposite of uh, Craig in the sense that my grand's English okay. and I was always kind of uh, protective of that, I, I've always been uh, she's from 
Accrington. She used to walk the elephants at Blackpool when she was a kid. That was her first job. That's what she, she did. She walked the elephants at Blackpool Beach. <laughs> um, so she would tell me all these stories and I, I get kind of fond of the north of England and things. So I'd, I'd go to Scotland games and there'd be a lot of people stand up if you hate the English. And we, me and my cousins and my brother would always sit down, you know, okay. we, we don't we don't actually hate the English. You know, it, it's a... And I know most fans probably in Hamden don't hate them either, but it's a case of, you know, we just thought if we stood up, we were kind of <laughs> saying we hate our grand, you know what I mean? So uh, it's funny because I, I, I could never accept them winning um, anything. I've, I've always been fine get to the semi-finals. The final was just too close. I didn't want them in the, in the final. Uh, but it, it, it's a kind of... Um, I do like this England team. That's the other thing. That probably, mm-hmm. yeah, that it's never really happened before. Um, maybe Euro '96 was close, but they still had a, a couple of um, numpties <laughs> in that one. But yeah. uh, this one, you know, there's a lot of good players. You know, and, and, and some of the fans do ruin it, and that kind of brings it back to, well, thank God they didn't, because I don't want them celebrating. Because when they start being racist to their own players who stood yeah. up and be counted and did take a penalty, whether it was um, scored or not, they had the bottle to do that. You know, yeah. That kind of brings me back to the to But those players were fantastic. Got to remember it's a minority there, Scott. We just need to emphasize that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they yeah, do obviously stand out, unfortunately. And, and every, every, every nation's got that minority, um, some are a wee bit more vocal than others, um, so uh, again, mm-hmm. not having a, a go, um, uh, uh, a lot of great England fans, mm-hmm. um, it's just... forget as well that team, that they took a stand against racism collectively, didn't they, in Southgate's yeah. comments earlier in the tournament and stuff, which mm-hmm. I thought was amazing to use that platform, and you, yeah. you've seen kind of, you know, not just England teams, but kind of like... You think it's press, right? Whereas these guys are actually putting themselves out on a limb and actually saying, you know, we're going to take the knee despite some opposition, all that kind of stuff. I, I thought that was amazing. So, like you say, it's hard not to like them from that perspective, but mm-hmm. heaven forbid they do win something because yeah. I will bury my head under the duvet for seven <laughs> days. I think not answer the phone. I think we need to prepare ourselves for the worst because um, this is a good, t- I mean, they've made some great strides for the last couple of years. And people, there's still people out there that say, you know, that Southgate <clears throat> isn't a great manager. He wasn't a great club manager, um, but at a national level, he's he can't argue with his record. He's taken yep. England to a semi final. He's taken yep. he's taken them to you know a European Championship final. Now they're not far away. They're, and they're was, gaining more experience. It was very successful with the under twenty ones as well. It's a progression yeah, for him at international level. So some people uh, are just more suited to international management than club management. And again, unfortunately, he's a guy you like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He, 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 yeah. You know, he does talk sense. He, he does back his players. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a hard one for Scottish for Scottish people because you know we're, <laughs> we're meant to kind of dislike these people, but they make it hard sometimes. They're still <laughs> they're still a rival at the end. Of, that's just what you've got to remember. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm not bothered about if people from Scotland want England to do well. Um, personally, it's a it's a it's a personal choice from my point of view that. Even though I've got my English father and some English um, background, from a sporting point of view, I want I don't want to see England win. That's just the bottom line of it. Genuinely, what do you think would happen if Scotland are in a World Cup final and England weren't? England already knocked out because they say, "Well, I'd support you." You know, I'd support you. Genuinely, what do you think would happen? Well, what do you think? think- 
what do you think would happen with the BBC? That's, yeah. that's the thing, do you know? And that's what, they, that's what the English people don't understand. They don't understand that we get force-fed the coverage, which is, which is right. You know, these English pundits, these English commentators should be very passionate about their, their, their nation. They should be happy that they're going to cut finals and stuff. But we shouldn't then have to watch it. It should be kind of our Scottish kind of coverage, yeah. coverage from from a, a more neutral or Scottish kind of point of view, and that's the difference. I don't think it would be all for you know Gary Lineker would still be hosting the World Cup final if we got to the World Cup. Yeah, you're right. You know, we, we will. You know, it's coming in Qatar. We will get yeah. to the World Cup final, and you know Gary will have to be there in his tartan pants. But it, <laughs> it, it, it won't be. It won't be uh, Ailey Barber or anything like that. It will be Gary Lineker. Yeah, well, hopefully Pat Nevin sat with him. Yeah, but, yeah. Alan McQuaid's <laughs> doing the commentary. That would be yeah, yeah. <laughs> the best co-commentator around, um, Ali. Um, and Craig, um, in terms of your club, um, you support your Celtic supporter. So I again, I need to ask. Um, so what? What? Okay, um, you've already kind of alluded to with your family background. Is that basically the main reason that Celtic stopped in your mind? Yeah, I think like I, as I kind of mentioned, I grew up a bit of an Arsenal fan. My dad's an Arsenal fan, and. Celtic was always very much like a, a family thing. So the family from Greenock up in Scotland. Um, yeah, and it is a family thing. I would say that it Scotland means a lot more to me, supporting-wise, than Celtic does. I, I don't religiously watch every Celtic game, especially league games. You know, I am a bit of a fair-weather supporter, I would say. Um, but I do, you know, especially the way things are going at the moment, I do really enjoy it. And trips I've had to Parkhead, I think, are absolutely brilliant. It must be a bit weird though, loving football strips so much that Celtic bring out the same one every single year. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> you know, I haven't got that many of them, to be honest with you, but you're pretty much like on the money there, aren't you? And I think we've had some like bad, like New Balance ones I thought were really bad. I had a couple yeah. of them and uh, they washed really badly, fell apart. I had that uh, Lisbon commemoration one that came out a few years back and literally one washed and it was all falling apart, all the badges peeling off. Really, really bad. Again, it's, it's kind of more away strips, isn't it? For like Celtic fans, you know, they, yeah. they like the the kind of one that it's peoples and it's got all the greens and it's all kind of wild. Yeah, that's horrendous. Everybody, yeah, everybody else thinks it's horrendous, but the Celtic fans absolutely adore it. Uh, and the Bumblebee one, one yeah. Mm-hmm. They love the Bumblebee, the Celtic fans, don't they? That one as well is quite a popular away shirt they've had. But again, you, you associate that with your your Decanios, your uh, mm-hmm. your Van Hoydonks, George Cadet, you kind of the three amigos and stuff like that with Celtic yeah. under Tommy Burns were fascinating to watch. Um, just drew too many times, obviously. Um, yeah. But you know, so have you got a kind of favourite away strap yourself for the Celtic stuff? Do you know what I pick out? So that there was a year, uh, the, I think it's hundred twenty fifth commemorations of twenty twelve. I think it was the year. Oh, we yeah, the other one. Mm-hmm. And they brought out, Nike brought out three shirts. So the away shirt was black, right? Black and grey hoops, which was fine. A home shirt had these like thinner hoops. And I think it was like alluding back to the first hoop shirt or something. And the tenant's logo was made a lot smaller. And it was, I think it's whited out as well under the badge. Mm-hmm. So I say home on that one. And then the third shirt that year was a remake of our first ever shirt. So it was white, black collar with a Celtic cross on it. Uh, and I had one and it, didn't fit me anymore. I had Wanyama 67 on the back and I sold it on eBay. I really regret it. I wish I just kept it because nowadays that one goes for so much money to try and get hold of it again. 
it would be really, really expensive. We're talking 200 quid, I think. Um, so for me, like that, I'd go for those ones and they're ones very much kind of in my era of supporting Celtic as well. It's kind of like in my 20s forwards, really. So, yeah, those ones for me. The other John, we'll call him top host John because he has a good host. Um, he says, um, what Celtic kit provides him with uh, the best memory supporting him? Me? Yeah. Oh, well, you're the guest. <laughs> um, the best memory supporting him? I mean, that Barcelona game takes some topping, doesn't it? It just... How did that happen, that game? It was just nuts, wasn't it? And when you look at the 11 on the field that day as well, and look at Neil Lennon, the manager, not exactly a tactical genius kind of thing, beating the best team in the world. I've, yeah, and like a young lad from the youth team coming on and scoring that goal. Yeah, I think that's going to take some topping, isn't it? That's a pretty special night. Like Seville, I always associate with real sadness, really. A bit of a heartbreaker, wasn't it? I mean, like... Biggest sadness for me in that game, like I wasn't over there or anything, but was Larson. Like Larson had given too much to Celtic. He'd been there for too long. He could have moved on before. Do you know what I mean? But he stayed. And to just give him a European trophy that he deserved at that period. I know he went on and won the Champions League with Barcelona, but bloody hell. And did he score twice in that game as well? And just, he was immense. And obviously Mourinho and cheating was the winners of that game weren't they unfortunately so that one's a bit of a heartbreaker but yeah I'd, I'd go for the I'd go for the Barcelona one for me See, I grew up a Rangers fan and see right. when Victor Bayer did his 97th row in a row <laughs> even I always said right actually I'd probably prefer Celtic to win this really just, yeah it was uh, ridiculous uh, I wanted Celtic Rangers to win in the UEFA Cup final that year as well just for Manchester's benefit not to get absolutely <laughs> pillaged um, but the Celtic strip that stands out for me is uh, and again it's it's last with the dreadlocks and stuff is remember Umbro was the official sponsor as well as the yes. and it, so it was just the Umbro badge stop the 10 uh, season was, yeah yeah they stopped the 10 yeah so that's the one that kind of stands out for me for the Celtic home strips um, as well as the wee tenants because I, I don't like tenants, so to see it in miniature form was uh, not, not so bad. Um, <laughs> tenants, wow. Oh, no, I, I was, I worked, I've already said this in the last podcast, but I worked in Weatherspoons and drank it every day, okay. after every shift, basically. So I got absolutely sick of it by the end of that year of working <laughs> at Weatherspoons, so that was it. I love it when I'm up there. You can't get it down here. It's just nice, to, nice refreshing pint up there whenever I come up. Yeah, okay. the best place to get tents is at the tenants. For, um, actually, if you do the tour, the tour is um, decent. Yeah. yeah, the tour is very good, actually. Yes, yeah, uh, I've enjoyed great. the tour. The Drygate yeah. place next door, I really like mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, they filmed a couple of the Scotland HQ shows um, during the Euros in that yeah. place. So it's um, pretty impressive. Um, yeah. Chris, um, a fellow Celtic fan, um, asks quite an interesting question this one. Do you prefer how things are now with multiple new kits every season or when kits used to last for at least a couple of years? And can I just add, Jeff, also in the WhatsApp group, added a wee caveat to that. What do you think of, with all the multiple strips and stuff like that, is it, is it obviously bad for the environment as well as the parents' pockets in terms of how much they're costing and obviously you're getting so many, you're going through so many strips? You're probably right that it is bad for the environment, I suppose, isn't it? You look at it from that perspective, but I guess it's kind of like fast fashion in general, doesn't it? There's a lot of problematic things for the environment. And, I mean, do they get recycled, I suppose, like the old shirts? I always wonder that. Do you remember, like, back in the day, you used to be able to go to sport and soccer, sort of 10, 15 years ago, there'd be racks of shirts for £10, you pick up 
Roma, Betis ones, you know, amazing foreign shirts. Whereas nowadays, they'll go down to about half price and then they'll disappear because you've got next season shirts already out and you wonder where they all go, whether they do get recycled. So you're probably right. Uh, I mean, it definitely feels like a business, doesn't it, to me? It feels like a bit of a mugs game, says I, that runs a football shirt podcast and is a bit of a collector. But it is a bit of a mugs game, isn't it? Especially when you're seeing a lot of the template stuff where they're not really making an effort. But I guess the counter to that is you don't have to buy it every year, do you? Unless you've got kids that are badgering you for it, but kids badger you for everything, don't they? I know I badgered my parents, so I never got the shirts. So I don't know, you've got to stay strong on that one somehow, I suppose. Don't know what you guys think. Oh, but what I did towards the end when I was still playing football and stuff was I would just buy form strips because you'd find that nobody really knew when they came out anyway. So it would be, right. they may be two or three years old. You got them for about 10, 15 pounds in certain websites. Yeah. And that's what I would do. Uh, and I always, you know, apart from the Ranger strips that I get every single year, and then they would, I would always wear strips quite a lot anyway in terms of throughout their, their lifespan. Um, I would wear it for a good three or four years, if not longer. Um, so I, I think buying foreign strips is, is a bit easier. And I also think that they're not... Adidas and Nike not make a kind of big deal about a lot of their strips now are, have been made from recycled stuff from the sea and stuff like that, plastics yeah, yeah. and stuff. So That's good. You know, whether or not that's every strip they make, I don't know, or it's just a kind of marinated third strip and stuff. That's what you'd probably have to look into and whether it's just a kind of, a kind of nod to the environment rather than um, proper protocol. Um, so there, there, are, there are ways around that. I, I preferred... There was a, a significant time, I remember, in the 90s where football strips were kind of capped at £30, I think. And yeah, well, it was... It was... Um, you had to have your home strip for two years and a waste strip every year kind of thing. Right, right. Um, or, or, or two years for the waste strip, but it was kind of every... It was alternate. like the World Cup, yeah, so it would alternate. Yeah. So uh, I preferred that kind of system rather than a, a new strip mm-hmm. every time. And these kind of strips, you know, teams that have five different strips met you know the best the best players grannies died so they've got a wee strip coming out because <laughs> they're the kind of with her face on it because they're kind yeah. of those sort of stuff just you know um, apart from the, the Maradona one with Napoli I, I kind of like that one to be fair but um, all just these other ones yeah, yeah so it's coming I, tomorrow in the post lucky you yeah <laughs> so, some some clubs just now like bringing out you know a second home shirt, like for a European shirt, and then there's some clubs that are bringing out five. I preferred the um, I preferred it when a home shirt lasted two seasons. It was it would be like one year the home shirt, the next year the away, and then they'd alternate every couple of years until they got a new kit sponsor. Um, but then they try and do the same. It gave you more memories as well because yeah. it, you had longer times with it. So that's why I think again you look back at the nineties. It's like well, that's why you know you had more memories of that strip. You know, yeah. it was nice for me because the Rangers we were winning everything at that moment in time. So I had all these memories, the trophies and stuff. You know, gas coins, loud ups and stuff. Mm-hmm. But even with Aberdeen, you know, I remember like the, the kind of early nineties strip being really nice, and mm-hmm. I can still see you know your Duncan Shearers, or Scott Bootsy, and Jesse's. And yeah. these strips, it's um, whatever. As I said, I could rhyme off the, the three amigos when you're talking about the bumblebee strips. Um, you know, I remember the Kilmarnock with the sports division stuff, and the, you know, yeah. you Paul Wright and stuff. So it, 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 you just had it for longer, so it, it just became more important. And as I think now, it's like I know that's maybe why international strips are nice because it is for a longer period of time. 
Yeah. Well, I'm just sitting there thinking this Scotland shirt I'm wearing the latest one. We've had this for about three years now, haven't we? But apparently we're not getting a new one until September. Yeah, because it, sh- it should have been changed in November, but yeah. because the World Cup's different this year, that's another issue. Um, yeah. the, the manufacturers will say we'll do, we'll do the launches in September this year, which is... Yeah, um, but won't get into the whole um, guitar thing. But yeah, it's 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 a val- it's a definitely a valid point in um, that you know just every every couple of years. And someone's going to bring up um, when you're talking about the price of shirts, etc. When Sam Matterface was on um, this podcast last year previewing the Euros, one point that he made um, going off on a tangent was Premier uh, Premier League um, clubs no kid should be paid, buying a um, paid for a football shirt. And I thought, what a wonderful marketing tool that was. And I thought, yeah, fair play for making that suggestion. Yeah, that's a really good idea, isn't it? You get a lot of teams around the world, like Atalanta, every um, every child born in Bergamo gets an Atalanta shirt off the club. It's their first shirt that they get um, as part of their, you know, like they're, they're there at a the hospital when the baby arrives and all this kind of stuff. Like, that's how you bring kids in, isn't it? And a lot of clubs do like cheaper season tickets and stuff like that. I was speaking to my mate at work, he's a Southampton fan, he was telling me during the week that his um, his mate brings his kid and it's, it's something like, he spends like £50 for a season ticket for Premier League football for his little kids, you know, up to age 12. That's how you get them in, isn't it? That's important, that stuff. I think that's an amazing suggestion. Did I not see, I think it was Owen Brown, you know, from Pure Football, did he, his kid did not have an Atalanta strip to his own? Does he live did in he? Bergamo? Is that is he, I, see, I didn't see that see, one. Or no. is his uh, granny living in Bergamo or something? <laughs> That's so he's got that kid. I did wonder. Um, yeah, there it is there. Um, there was a question on Twitter I wanted to ask you that I saw from Mick Canio. Um, if yeah, you I know could, who he is. If you, could, if you could have any other club strip from any era other than if to, for your own club to play in, which strip would it be? Well, I've done a bit of prep for this one, lads. So <laughs> if, we're, if we're talking purely from a design perspective, right, I'm going to go for classic Boca Juniors. Nice. Blue and yellow hoop, right, which I just love. I've got quite a few of these. Boca Juniors so would, would that be Celtic playing in blue then? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, if we're going to take it for, for a club, right, I mean, I wouldn't change Scotland's blue at all. But I mean, I just love the Boca Juniors shirt I mean, for everything, like for Maradona, for the stadium, which I've been to and stuff like that. Just, I, mean, I went there a couple of years ago and it was like a dream come true. I didn't go, I just went for the tour, you know, just walked around and my, my ex missus now was taking pictures of me like a little kid all lit up, you know, so excited. And I wore my Scotland shirt as well. Um, yeah, so for me, I think home shirt design wise, I just think that one is always absolutely beautiful. And I think like Adidas, I don't know if you guys have seen, but Adidas done a great job. They took them over a couple of years ago and they just really, really look amazing for me. I had the it was LG, the sponsor. Yeah. It was yeah. like a, a paler blue than the one that you showed us there. Yeah. And it's one of those things when I was playing sevens and I ever wore that strip, I just felt I was Raquel me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was just running around spraying passes and absolutely yeah. nothing like Raquel me, but I just thought in my head that that's <laughs> what I was doing. I was just being Raquel me. Similar pace, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah. The pace-wise, I, I, <laughs> I had that down. Um, and the arrogance, I probably had that as well, but that was, that was probably it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing how much um, you know you pretend to be your idols when you were like growing up it's got you're in your um... oh no, no I was in my 30s doing <laughs> this, exactly. so don't, don't, worry, don't worry about that <laughs> awesome still want to be like whoever um, you want to ask the other question from Twitter what one was that let me just that was from Andy Albamata 
we'll need to get him on this podcast. He's a great guy. Mate, I've had him on as a guest. He's a great guy. Definitely oh, have you? To. Yeah, he's brilliant. And the stuff he makes as well, he looks at stuff with such a different perspective, I think. I love what he does. Um, he's a really lovely guy. So, yeah, absolutely right. get him on in. Right. So, and he's asked a very cerebral question, as you would expect from Alba Mata. Yeah. What is the racial stroke percentage split of great kits being dependent upon the memories and successes versus the design? Bloody hell, what's he want there? An answer in algebra. Um, <laughs> right. I, <laughs> I I think modern day, I like for me, it depends if you guys like design kind of thing. Like I think a lot of shirts these days, especially like your third shirts and things, where there's a bit more kind of where you can play around. Like the Ajax Bob Marling one I thought was really cool. I think the Man United ones they've done recently as well, like kind of harking back to that retro Arsenal ones they've kind of done as well. I, I like that stuff, but I think in terms of like your memories and things like that, I think like, like a lot of stuff we talked about, I think you are tied to specific games, specific events, specific periods in your life. And I think that's what makes, that's what makes the collecting. It's not even, you don't even have to buy them. It's just the kind of eulogising of them, of something special. Do you know what I mean? Because Less, less a minute, they're, they're kind of like a child's toy, aren't they? A football shirt, do you know what I mean? And you get grown men spending hundreds of pounds on them, talking about them, saying how much they love them and all that kind of thing. So probably for me, I would err on that one being more important than your kind of modern design stuff, I think. If you go, you go into classic football shirts, for example, not spend a penny, but enjoy your time just looking at all these different strips. You know, when exactly. they came up to Glasgow... So many people came up, and I don't know, you know, I'm sure they did get a lot of money from people, you know, they got money off me, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, you just, you see everybody going through every single strip, yeah. and it's just, it's just memories, and oh, that's lovely, and things like that. I think, as you say, I think design for me was always important, but at the same time, I look at, you know, the 1998 World Cup, and it just takes me back to a fantastic summer of football. Yeah. And it's just, that's the, probably brings me more to a football strip than anything else or a sp- specific player. Um, I've got the... I'll try and show you that one. The 1994 Brazil. Yes. Okay. But with Ronaldinho, oh. but not the Ronaldinho. No. It's obviously Ronaldo, who in the squad, there was another Ronaldo. Because I remember people looking at me and I picked it up in the... It was a pop-up store in Glasgow, and they're like, why are you getting that? That's not... And somebody did come up to me, he's like, hey, pal, that's not... You know, Ronaldinho didn't play in that, that team. And I'm like, oh, no, no, it's fine. I, I like the strip, I like the strip. No one fine well, do you know what I mean? I stuffed <laughs> it around my head because um, I'm a huge Ronaldo fan. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that was, like, the best thing for me, that people didn't know about it. Every time, nice. you know, and it's like, they're second-guessing it. So... You know, so certain players as well that had the, you know, the Inter Milan strip, the one that's vertical stripes, you know, the, the UEFA Cup win. Right, okay. Horizontal. So what the horizontal. So, yeah, yeah horizontal, the grey one. Yeah. The, so I had that for years and years and years, right? I grew, I grew out of it and stuff, and then I get rid of it, and it's the worst thing I've ever done. Oh. Because to try and get an original one of them again is just nigh on impossible. Yeah. I bet. Uh, they reissued that, didn't they, a couple of years yeah, ago? Yeah, they reissued that. I've, I've got a, a race jumper. Um, I oh, can't yeah. remember. Was it North Curve or one of those kind of um, or, uh, art of football? I can't remember which one. And yeah. it's a kind of sweatshirt kind of idea of the same design, uh, but it says uh, 
phenomenal rather than uh, Pirelli. Uh, nice. But as I say, I think I think players and tournaments and cup wins and stuff can really that's again kind of what makes a football strip sometimes. Yeah, well, they did that with that shirt as well. About ten years later, they reissued it again, and they, it's Adriano playing in that mm-hmm. shirt. It's just like a nice pattern there, isn't it? It's like yeah. coming full circle. It's just something about that that makes you smile. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Andy um, uh, um, added in that tweet as well. Um, the two thousand five to seven Diodora kit will rank highly for most of us as well. The current kit and kind of get me some. I see that deal. I know you're not a fan of Diodora, but mm. there was something unique about that all blue with gold in it uh, that just made that kit you no know, really special. Of course, with some great memories of beating France in it in the Ukraine. Yeah. Unfortunately, that night against Italy as well. Yeah, I was at those games actually. I was at the first France game. Yeah, and the, and the away one in Paris as well. Amazing. But I don't know, like, if you've got those shirts, you might remember they, they, there were these dots on the side that changed mm-hmm. colour, the heat off the heat of your body. And it's 11 dots for 11 players. Lasted one wash in the washing machine and they were all just yeah. blue dots. So thanks for that, Deodora. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think the um, the quality was as good as it looked um, once it was, had the wash. Unfortunately, because the deodorant, um, no, was going quite quickly. Unfortunately, funny thing with those as well. You might remember that Roma had those shirts as well, so it's a similar mm-hmm. pattern and design. And if you've got one of the Roma shirts, a bit like what we're talking about the Kappa stuff, it's fitted and all nice, whereas the Scotland ones were really baggy and shit. So there you go. So they, they knew that that they knew their audience then their target audience. Is that well, what you're saying? You know, you know, I don't think that's fair. You don't get enough Scotch pies in Rome. That's yeah. the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads us nicely into the slow fire questions. So Craig, it's been fantastic having you on. We'll ask you a few we call them slow fire questions rather than quick fire because the amount of time it takes to get through. So okay. Erin um, wanted this request, so I had it written it down anyway. So what's your favourite pie? Oh, God. Um, so I love a scotch pie when I go up there to the games, but you can't get them here. You cannot get them Really? Here. Even, like, the pastry is different up there as well. Like, I love it. Like, the last time I went up to the Moldova game, that's my first game at Hampton for about five years, and I just couldn't wait for the pie at halftime. So, so good. So, yeah, definitely a scotch pie. That's an easy one. Quick fire, that one. Nice. Sometimes you just need something simple, you know. Um, yeah. A lot of people recently have been saying, like, chicken curry, which I love, and... Some people put it, like Erin loves a macaroni pie, not for me. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Carbs on carbs. No, thank you. Um, right. So I've started throwing this in um, to a couple of guests. Um, so if you were to have four people, if you were hosting a dinner party, you have to have four people from the world of football to come along to a dinner party. Who would they be and why? Do you know what? I, I, I'd even like, I think about this as well, like who, who'd be my dream guest on the podcast kind of thing. So it's kind of a similar vibe there, isn't it? I think Ali McCoist, everybody loves Ali, like, loved him playing for Scotland years ago, but also just seems like so much fun. Uh, I love James Richardson as well. I really tried hard to get him on the pod, but just no luck so far. But I just think he's so funny. I love the puns he does, like the podcast and things. And again, it's that like link to your past with Football Italia, right? It's just amazing. Um, I'd go Ian Wright as well. I just think Ian Wright, so charismatic, so so much fun, but also like, I don't know if you've seen like, there's been a few like kind of recent documentaries where he's opened up on his past and things like that. Mm. Just like really interesting, emotional, honest guy. I think really, really cool. And then the last one, I, I, I mean, like he doesn't come across as like a major personality or anything like that when he does his pundit work, but just James McFadden. I'd just love to meet him. 
just love to meet him so much. Like, I love what he did for Scotland. Like, just turned up and, you know, really socks off, didn't he, for Scotland? Uh, and just, he was so good for us. Just the archetypal, he was like, I'm, I'm going to say this, he was our Baggio, right? He saved all his best games for Scotland. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and that's probably the only time you can equate him to Roberto Baggio, but there you go, I just did it. So that'll do for me. That's the four. And what would be the meal that you'd be serving with that? Probably Scotch pie, lads. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it doesn't take long and you can spend more time with your guests. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Scott, have you got a couple? <laughs> a couple of questions? Yes. Uh, no, because you've just flung that on me. Um, no, I gave you the prep, come on. <laughs> you never said that I was going to ask a certain question, so you ask another one and then I'll think of something. Okay, right. Um, right. What's your favourite um, Scotland songs? Songs. Yeah. Um, I, I think, like, in that period I was going for about sort of 10 years, I mean, I just secured my tickets to the playoff as well, which I'm really excited about, uh, which I'm really lucky to have. So I only just rejoined the club recently as well, so that's great. But we were going for about 10 years, and over that period, I just think, like, we'll be coming. Just loved it. And the way it used to build and carry on, and you can sing and sing and sing. I love that one. There's also another one as well that used to hear in like the bars before the games and stuff like that, like especially away trips when you used to have a live band called 1320. Oh, no. You had a song for freedom will endeavour, for liberty will strive, to England no surrender. That one? I'll need to Google that. <laughs> it's about um, it's about the declaration of our growth in 1320. Uh it's like uh, where they basically that like, Scotland asserted its sovereignty over England, right? So it's like a really famous historical document. I think Robert the Bruce. Yeah, it was Robert the Bruce. Yeah, signed it. Yeah, but there's a song of it, and like you, I don't think you can get it on Spotify. And every so often, when I've had a few beers on the way home or whatever, I've got a bit of signal on the tube. I will put that on YouTube. Put that through the headphones. I do enjoy that one. I'm a big fan of Big Country as well. I think as well. Yeah. It's a very very big Scottish band for me. So. Yeah, a few of those, I reckon. They're some of my favourites. So, Scott, favourite Scottish player and favourite Celtic player? Ever, ever, ever. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? Like, I, McFadden, like, ability-wise, you know, there's, there's so many players that you can talk about and probably, you know, like, out of my memory, Dalgleish or, you know, Jimmy Johnston, Dennis Law, those guys... But for me, like McFadden, I just think it was brilliant for Scotland. I just love watching him play for Scotland and I loved his passion. And even like when we qualified against Serbia, like I had Darren Fletcher and McFadden in the uh, in the studio, didn't they? And I felt quite sorry for the pair of them because I just thought like those two really deserved to get to a tournament. Do you know what I mean? Like for what they did for Scotland. And they were like there cheering and stuff like that. But that really did go through my mind. Uh, but yeah, for me, I'd, I'd stick McFadden up there. I think it was brilliant. A real talisman for us. Celtic first, yeah, Celtic. It's an obvious one, it's Larson. I think it just he's just such a cut above. And I think these days, you know, like we've had like we've had Wanyamas, we've had Van Dykes, we've had Edwards, we've had Dembele's that are clearly a cut above as well, but they don't tend to stay as long. I think you don't have that association. I just think like, especially like I said about that UEFA Cup final and stuff like that, just he gave Celtic so much, you can't fault him. Do you know what I mean? He was absolutely brilliant. Uh you know, even like when he scored against us and didn't celebrate, I know that happens a lot these days, but at a time it just felt a bit special. Because you had Giovanni Van Bronckhorst like jumping on his back, really celebrating, didn't you, in that game? But yeah, like it just for me, just you can't beat Larson, I don't think. 
Him and Van Bronckhorst have been best friends forever, pretty much, from Firenode all the way up, because they yeah, used to yeah. like, go out with each other in Glasgow, like, not right. probably in public and stuff, yeah, but he was, they were always like, best, best friends. Yeah. Um, last one for me, then, I'm going to go left field, not even, it's, going, it's more retro than anything to do with football, okay. unless you say the Hurricanes. <clears throat> Favourite cartoon as a kid? Nice question. <laughs> do you know what? I like Bugs Bunny. I used to like the old Warner Brothers ones. I'd go for Bugs Bunny, I think. Yeah, and yeah. Looney Tunes and stuff, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just thought he was quite a cool chap. I used to have a watch as a kid and he used to, he used to press the button and he used to say, your mother wears cheap cologne. I used to like play that one in school. Do you know what I, I liked that to think about it? And it was always the same premise, but I always seemed to enjoy it. it was Tom and Jerry. Yeah, yeah. It was always the same premise. It was always, you know, it was always you know, from probably the 60s or 70s or something you, we would watch it, but... It was always, uh, it just always kind of, I would sit down and watch it. Like mm-hmm. I wonder if kids watch it now. I wonder if it's still as timeless. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, I've got no idea. I've got, I've got nieces and stuff, and I don't think, yeah, I think they're, they've all gone kind of American, Americanized now. Right, right. Yeah, it's more animated and interactive now. But I, I show um, my oldest one the original Roadrunners before you needed them. Um, don't try this at home because yeah. some people just want that. Yeah, <laughs> no, because um, I think it's fair to say you don't um, throw dynamite in, <laughs> in the modern yeah, world. Exactly. Um, but uh, it's just when you talk to Warner Brothers there, you know, I remember there used to be a shop in um, the Seenock Centre. The Warner Brothers. Oh, no, yeah. There's a Buchanan Street. Oh, Street there's a Buchanan well. Street. Yeah, yeah, there was a huge shop in Buchanan Street. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day. No. Um, total retro. I'm thinking <laughs> about that. <laughs> and the last one for me, um, you knew this was coming, um, the showstopper. So I've asked you to come up with a combined Celtic and Scotland team from your lifetime. So it's basically got to be 11 Celtic players who were capped by Scotland. Right. Okay. Um... Unfortunately, I misread the brief, so I've got a Celtic eleven and a Scotland eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Just go with it. <laughs> Sorry, lads. All right, my bad. I've had a busy day at work. Anyway, and I've got COVID, obviously, as well at the moment, so brain's a bit foggy. So here we go. All right, so I'll give you my Celtic Celtic eleven in goal, and this is very much kind of like from my memory, my my kind of era as well. So in goal for Celtic, I've got Marshall. Left back, I'm going four three three. By the way, left back, I've got. McNamara, I love McNamara. I love what he did for Scotland as well. Like total stalwart. I know he left on a free, and that was a bit of a shame. But he played left back so much, despite being a right back as well, just to accommodate a gap and other players. And just when you get a player like that, I think that's really special. You know, show a lot of commitment to the club and things. Centre backs, I've got big Boba Balde. Like he just weren't getting past him. Where and even like I always thought it's quite funny as well. Like the way he left the club, like Strachan fell out of him, didn't he? He was benched for the last year, and he's like the highest paid player at the club. And playing in the reserves and stuff like that, just collecting 30 grand a week. So there you go. Uh, and then the second centre-back, I've got Steve McManus. Just, again, like what you want is, I always think defenders are the easiest kind of players to bring through from the youth team kind of thing. Like you look at Ralston and like Welsh at the moment, the Celtic team. McManus, like, I was gutted when he left. I think we should have sold him. I think we broke up that team a bit too soon, but I like McManus a lot. Uh, and right back, I love Juranovic at the moment. I think Juranovic just looks really, really exciting. Decent buyer for the money as well. Like he's, he's looked decent, I think, this year. So I think more to come from him. Well, I've got three midfielders. I think an obvious one is Scott Brown, just what he did for the club. What he does for winding up people as well. I love all that stuff. Amazing. 
seems like a really good guy off the pitch too, I think, just in terms of like the way he interacts with fans and things. So I do love a bit of Broody. The other midfielder, I think, is Wanyama. Again, just somebody that looked like, you know, those European games that year that we qualified and got knocked out by Juventus. I just thought, like, he just strolled it. He looked absolutely brilliant. And I think injuries kind of curtailed his career at Tottenham, unfortunately. But he's out in the US now in MLS, I think, somewhere as near Vancouver or something. Yeah, yeah Canada somewhere, yeah. Yeah, he's still going. Uh, and then the other midfielder, Nakamura, just, like, I know we've got loads of great Japanese players now, but just... Back then, that seemed so exotic. And to bring a player like that, the Strachan really rated and thought, well, you know, there's one more cut. I think it's 2002 he didn't even go to, did he? He was playing for Regina. I don't think he went. He got didn't get picked because tactically he wasn't right, blah, blah, blah. But I think he was a left-footed, right-sided player. You know, I thought it was just amazing. The free kicks and things like that. But just the stuff he did, like I just I really loved him. Uh, and up, up front, you got some easy ones, I think. Like the best ones from Mayer or Meyer or whatever. I think you got Larson, number one, easy peasy. And for me, I think Edouard and Dembele. I just think like they're two players that are just going to, they've got moves in them again. I think I think they're going to move on. Like Dembele, especially, I think is going to, he'll play for a top club. I think he'll get a move. Just hopefully it's not someone like Man United or someone like that, you know, some, some a bit better than that. And Edouard, I think, had a good start in the Premier League, isn't he? So again, I think he's got another move in him as well. So that's my Celtic eleven. Any any thoughts? Interesting. So you, you've thought going for Sutton, then you're more mobile front three. Yeah, I'd you know I oh, Sutton's a bit of a wind up merchant, isn't he? On purpose, I think on social, it, it kind of gets on my nerves. Really. <laughs> and what about uh, defensively? You've got McManus ahead of Mialbe. Yeah, I just like I just like him. I just think he was like a no-nonsense defender. Do you know what I mean? Like, have you seen Miyabi these days? Yeah. He ripped a bit. Gorgeous man. Don't uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I like McManus a lot. I just, I felt like as well, he came out of nowhere, didn't he, as well, and got promoted and started playing at sort of 21, 22. I mean, like, ideally it would have been John Kennedy, right? But obviously his career was really sadly mm. mm. cut short because he looked fantastic, I thought. Yeah. One of the best yeah. ones actually was uh, from that era was Yusufal Harun, who doesn't really get talked a lot about, but yeah. he was very good on the left hand side and very yeah, smart and mm-hmm. kind of comfortable in the ball. I always like to see Val Harun. Yeah, good player, good player. Ulrich Larson as well, that team as well, I thought quite mm-hmm. versatile, pretty decent, wasn't he? Yeah, definitely. And in terms of your Scotland 11? All right, okay. So with this Scotland 11, we're going, I think, 4 4 2. So we've got Craigie Gordon in goal. I just think, like, just well, I think we've been blessed to have him blessed to have all three of those keepers we've had over the last kind of 10-15 years but I think Gordon's the best one I think yeah. like his stories are coming back from injury you know wasn't he playing wasn't he training with someone like like Anan Anan Athletic or someone like that as well uh, it, was, it was at Rangers as well training yeah. when they were in the championship I think something like before that before he yeah. got his Celtic move yeah I mean, how did that work? How did we sell Fraser Foster for like ten million pounds and sign a guy that's Crocs that did like three, four year, amazing years for us? That's that's just incredible business. But I think he's brilliant and pleased for him that he's getting games over at Hearts as well. Like really happy for him to be. We qualified for the World Cup. More than happy for him to be our keeper. I think Craigie G. It's, it's a shame because I think he would have been better for us at Euros. I think Marshall tipped it because of the penalty save and yeah. his performances in the, the qualifiers but I think by the time the Euros came around it was probably time for a change and his hard. garden was playing the championship as well but yeah but that, yeah, that, that was, that yeah, was yeah. You know, 
but I think Gordon has always been the better keeper of the two, in my opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was, but it, it, I can see why Clark didn't go for it, but it, I think I think he probably should have. He's back in now, isn't he? But it looks yeah. like you can't see anyone pushing him out unless he gets injured. No. All right, so left back, centre back is going to be a bit naughty because I don't think Tierney can play as a centre back in a four four two. We've seen that it doesn't quite work, but that's that's unfortunately what I'm going to do. So I can accommodate Robertson at left back. Uh, I'm not the Scotland manager, clearly. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Centre back. This one's a bit rogue, but I love him, Christian Daly. I love that video I was doing the rounds, wasn't it, with Bertie Vogue stuff kind of thing like this. Where I just love him. I just love. He got about like sixty caps, didn't he? And played anywhere for Scotland, like midfield, centre back, right back, and you could tell he loved it. Have you ever read the stuff as well? Like he, he could have gone to Juventus or something on a free, but stayed at Dundee United, so they got a fr- they got a fee when he went to Derby or something like that. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it was he first came into prominence as a really young kid. They played at the under twenty ones or the under twenties, the one that went through to the final of the world. Yeah. And he was up front, he was a striker at that point. And then he has pretty much played every single position um and was really good in pretty much most of them and played until what 37, 38, yeah. 38. Um and for Scotland just always turned up. One of those ones that just turned up every single time. Yeah, he's got a big cool afro now as well, isn't he? Like kind of like he's going a bit grey at the size as well. It looks really cool, I think. Cool dude. Uh, and then right back. So I've gone for Alan Hutton. So Hutton played for Scotland for too long, I think. I think mm-hmm. whether it's a case of we didn't have anybody that could come in ahead of him, like Bardsley or whatever during that period, maybe he wasn't really that much better. But I, there was a short period around that kind of beating France and like getting beat by Italy that he was just on fire he was incredible that that Rangers run to the UEFA Cup final thing as well was like a similar sort of period just before he got his move to Tottenham that again maybe because of injury or whatever it didn't quite work out but I thought he was great for Scotland sort of two three years he was fantastic so he's definitely in there for me uh two centre midfielders Darren Fletcher Barry Ferguson kind of speaks for itself really I think uh Shame for Darren Fletcher, I think, that he was had that illness, didn't he? And it, I mean, he'd been a 100-cap man, I think, for Scotland, which is a bit of a shame. Definitely. Yeah. Barry Ferguson, I always think it's a bit of a shame that he uh, he moved back up to Rangers when he was at Blackburn, but just he could maybe have stepped on and gone a bit further kind of thing. But fair play to him. Went and won trophies up there at Rangers, didn't he? And then came back down and won trophy at uh, Birmingham City, didn't he, as well? I think the League yeah. Cup. Yeah, the League Cup, yeah. Yeah, because he yeah. Yeah. He patted Kilshelny in the head when he scored his own goal, which infuriated, rightfully infuriated Arsenal fans. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know about you boys, but that whole like flicking the Vs up to the press or whatever, they got him banned from Scotland. I don't care about all that stuff. Do you know what I mean? He was a fantastic player for us. No, yeah. it, it was something out of nothing, you know. And uh, I think at that moment in time, uh, with Burnley, I think a lot of people just couldn't be bothered with yeah. Scotland, even some of the fans, I think. So uh, it's a kind of uh, understandable thing mm-hmm. to, to a certain degree. Uh, I, th- I think you should be punished for it, but not kind of banned for life, as it kind of yeah. was uh, reported at the time. Yeah, yeah. a couple of games, the rest of the campaign maybe, but I think the SFA weren't going to do anything and then panic when they saw Rangers were doing something they thought we'll go one step further, but they went too far. Um, but yeah, that, to be fair to Barry Ferguson, he's never blamed anyone but himself for that. To yeah. be fair, and that's what I always um, have my respect as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's totally true. I think, didn't Levine try and get him back? And he, he just said, no, I'm, I'm not up for it. Kind of yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I thought I think Barry said once that um, he's not been back to a Scotland game because he doesn't think he'll be midfield welcome. I think time's moved on. You know, I think if Barry Ferguson was able to get a ticket, it'd be you know, don't people would care if he nah, was there? Yeah. I don't think so. I think I think a lot of people wanted him back um, mm-hmm. when Levine was there. So I don't I don't think anybody's going to. I don't think many people would bat an eyelid to be honest. No. Yeah, and also as good as he was, like missing Barry Ferguson. Isn't wasn't that between us and qualifying for a tournament? Was it? It wasn't like losing Ronaldo for Portugal or something like that. So I, I, I think, I think the next day. I think Barry Ferguson missed a move in terms of he shouldn't. It, it was too easy to go to Blackburn because of the soonest connection and all the rest of it, and he should have went earlier to a bigger team, and that was probably what hampered Barry Ferguson to get into that lifestyle of being Mister Rangers, and yeah. he kind of. He should have when he was first brought bust onto the scene, then there was talk of a move abroad and stuff like that. And when unfortunately Scottish players weren't doing that as they are now with Hickey and stuff, it, 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 it's a, a kind of a wee bit yeah, of a misstep, right, in my opinion, think. for Barry Ferguson. All right, so right winger Kechianya, I love what he did for Scotland again, another one to come out of nowhere as well, didn't he? Like, I was in Dortmund for that game as well, like obviously that we lost, typical Scotland, but. That goal he scored, just the pace and the break, just absolutely loved it. So, and also like his story as well. Like, there's a real kind of like modernity there as well, wasn't it? Like, kind of like his parent, weren't they like Nigerian and Kazakhstan? They came to university in Glasgow or something like that. He yeah, I think it was like Nigerian and Romanian, I think. Romanian. Was, right. Yeah. And uh, they moved to Casamilk of all areas yeah. as well. It's, uh, <laughs> or Chateau de Lay. Uh, so, <laughs> it's, yeah, and, and just, we never were really a bit blessed with pace, and then to suddenly have somebody who just like John mentioned already, roadrunner on this that he, he was almost like that, you know, and he just tore in, and you're like, we're not used to that. You know, even Scotland fans get mm-hmm. probably sold next because they had to quickly turn to see this <laughs> this guy sprinting down. Anya was actually born in Glasgow. That's a lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah. They just assumed, oh, who's this um, remaining um, guy? You know, shouldn't be the first guy. Well, he was born here, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. It's like modern Scotland, isn't it? Modern kind of country, all that kind of stuff. And it's it was just cool to have somebody with that kind of story. I thought that mm-hmm. was playing for Scotland, which I thought was great. He seemed to kind of turn up and then disappear all very quickly as well. I don't really know what happened to him. Club yeah, there were two or three outstanding years in a Scotland shirt, but then. I think, injury, the later. Yeah. I think injury at Derby, I think he got like a four million pound move or a, a few million pound anyway to Derby and got injured and then that was that kind of, never really recovered his form, I don't think. Yeah. That's a shame, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's up there for me, I enjoyed him. And then obviously he's two up from one's an Who was your left winger? Don't... Uh, Maloney, oh sorry, did I not say yes, Sean Maloney. I thought just like a, just such... A different kind of player than we've had for so long. It's such a weird thing as well to have a technical player like him and McGeady coming through at Celtic at the same time. And obviously, McGeady opted for Ireland. Uh, but to have had the two of them in the same team, I think for Scotland would have been absolutely brilliant. But yeah. Maloney, I just think, really underrated player. I think he was really good for Scotland, great for Celtic. He, I'm glad he kind of won won that trophy, Wigan as well. He won the trophy, he won the FA Cup. Just Yeah. Set it didn't one and quite go. work out for him at Villa, did it? And it was just good to have like Martinez put a bit of faith in a technical player like that. Um, so yeah, I, I really liked him. So he's up there for me. Um, up front, McFadden is an easy one, right? Uh, talks about McFadden. <laughs> the other one I've got, we all know Che Adams is the better player, but I just really like Lyndon Dykes. I really liked him coming on board. Mm-hmm. 
I really like the way he talks as well. Like he, the way he's in press conferences, like this guy's a winner. Do you know what I mean? Like he's someone that's going to battle and win a game kind of thing. And he's confident. I don't think his like on the floor ability is that good, but he just uses his strengths. I think like great in the air. I'd rather he didn't take a penalty again, if I'm honest. No. I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I really like him. So uh, he's. Is it thing about London Dates is because people have gone about, oh, he's Australian, and you know, you, you do get a certain set of uh, Tatnami supporters who who can't go look past people being born outside of uh, the country. And like, that's not what Scotland's about. No, certainly not for me. It's about. People who want to put on the jersey, and Lyndon Dykes has always wanted to put on the jersey. He always gives his all, whether it although he's he's always great. Does it you know? It does it come into it? He always will give his one hundred percent. He'll make flights that he doesn't need to, and all the rest of it. His family's Scottish, you know. Is this that the next thing? For me, that makes him Scottish. You know that that is what I associate with Scotland. We should be able, we've always been a welcoming country, or we should be a welcoming country. Yeah, and if somebody's willing to give you blood, sweat and tears, then I, I want that player in every day, every day of the week, rather than somebody who's born in Octomurdy but doesn't actually give a shit, do you know what I mean? He gets a phone yeah. call from Steve Clark or whatever and says, no, just, you know what, not, not this time, maybe next time. Yeah. You know, I, I, don't, I don't care. I want the person who wants to be there and wants to kiss the badge no matter what. And, you know, that, that, that's why I like love players like Dykes yeah. and Stuart McCall as well. You know, people, yeah. people say all this, they're like, Stuart McCall wasn't born in Scotland. You do understand that. Yeah, yeah. his parents were um, Scottish, so it'd be yeah. pretty Stuart McCall. Well, exactly, um, but, but, he, but he, you know, played, played for... No, he didn't. That was the thing. He didn't play for the under-21s, but he was he went, it, away from one of the most proud yeah. Scottish people you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, if Stuart McCall had got on for just one minute in the England under-21 game in those days, he would have been ineligible for Scotland, but he pulled yeah. every trick yeah. in the book to make sure he didn't get on, like... <laughs> No, um, snap his um, shoes, um, tying his shoelaces, um, taking longer walks back. And he, didn't hear Howard Wilkins. he didn't hear Howard Wilkinson, I think it was the manager too, didn't hear his shout originally, he kind of looked away and things, because he knew as soon as he put on the kit, he said he knew that he did want to play for England. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, interesting, interesting. Why did he accept the call? Because I don't think until, until he physically put on the strip, I don't think he... He really knew what this, the kind of consequences were until he put on that strip and felt different, and that it, it, it didn't feel yeah. didn't feel good in him. I think oh, that's when he, he decided that that was it. In regards to Lyndon Knights thing, you know, Steve Clark actually had to tell him, "Don't take this flight; just yeah. um, stay stay in this." Because he was suspended for the game, but he still wanted to travel. Um, right. And it just said everything about that. Steve Clark had to say, him, "Listen, I, I, I admire your optimism, but." Just stay, stay back and work in your fitness. They ended up not being fit for the Denmark game anyway, but the fact he wanted to be there and then guys like Dan Fletcher are getting out his sick bed to play against Liechtenstein. Yeah. And we've got guys, and, and you've had players in the past who just don't want to play in friendlies and stuff. It's like, yeah, I know Chris I'm one. Yeah, Chris Commons was one that binned it off with me. Couldn't, couldn't be bothered anymore. Yeah. Um, the lad at Newcastle as well, the fullback, the wingback, whatever he is. He's a. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Ritchie was a CV thing because he hadn't even set foot in Scotland. There's those examples, but for every Matt Ritchie, there's um, there are guys that have done well in the Scotland shirt with that kind of background, like Don Hutchison and the uh, yeah, James Dykes. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, lads, this has been tremendous looking back on um, old kits and old, um, you know, old football. So, Craig, thanks very much for coming on and um, good luck with the uh, Football Kit Memories podcast going forward. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig.
Thanks so much, boys. Really, really nice to meet you and have a chat.